I'm Becky Basolto. I help out here at the church with our local and global impact. Um, I'm really excited but really, really nervous today. Um, I know I get up and do those five-minute like mission updates, but that's totally different than talking for a long time. So please, 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 if I start stuttering or look nervous, just smile and don't fall asleep. Um, we can see you when you start falling asleep. Um, so over the past month or two, and we've been talking and discussing and really praying about what our local impact is going to look like and how we're going to reach out to our community. Um, and we really feel like God led us to James 1.27, which says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God our Father means caring for the orphan and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. So how does that translate to today? What does that look like for us as a church body? Well, in 2015, we're going to continue to be active at the House of Grace, as we have been for over 10 years, I believe. And we believe that the women of House of Grace, if not widows, are definitely women in distress. And they're recovering from an alcohol and drug addiction. And many of them are often or have been homeless. Whoa. Um, (laughs) They've dealt with homelessness, domestic violence, poverty, racism, etc. They are definitely women in distress and often feel very hopeless and helpless. Um, But through the amazing program at House of Grace, it's amazing. Um, In 12 to 14 months of recovery, they have intensive counseling, prayer, meetings, fun times with us. Um, Women are just completely changed there. Um, For those of you that have been, have seen the women at the beginning that come in and then how they look and act and are when they graduate, it really is an amazing, amazing thing and such a joy to be a part of. Um, So we're going to continue doing that. But um, we also want to reach out to orphans or kids in distress as a church body. So for 2015, we plan to come alongside kids in foster care, the families who are fostering them, and the county who's essentially acting as their guardian or parent. So the, for those of you that know me, though, I'm really biased. Um, I, uh, many of you know that my husband Joe and I have adopted our two beautiful girls, um, Bella and Eliana. And as a full disclaimer, Joe and I are actually um, going through the process right now to become foster parents. Um, We just finished the classes a while back and are doing all the paperwork and home studies and such. So um, we'll probably be um, welcoming a child or two um, into our home over the summer. So um, foster care and adoption are definitely my heart, my passion, um, and have been so for many years. Um, So to be honest, I always kind of had a curiosity or interest in foster care and in foster kids, but it wasn't until I became a CASA, which is a court-appointed special advocate for a child in foster care, that that curiosity really turned into my passion in my heart. Um, What a court-appointed special advocate is is that um, when children are in foster care, they have a court case. They have a judge and um, a social worker and a lawyer, and the parents have lawyers and a therapist and lots of people that are involved in their lives and are involved in the court process. Um, But those people have maybe 40 cases on their load, so they don't always necessarily know the day in and day out of that foster child. So as a CASA, um, you meet with that child on a weekly basis, kind of as a mentor, but you also are their voice in court. So I would go to um, the girl's court case and speak um, on her behalf for what was best for her in her life. Um, When I went in, I remember thinking, I I really want someone five and under or so. And um, they gave me um, a bunch of folders of teenagers. (laughs) And um, I just fell in love with it, because you get to actually read their file. Um, I fell in love with a a girl that was 13 years old, um, who I'm going to call Cindy. 
Um, she had been in the foster care system for about six months and was pulled from the home because she would show up to school along with her three other siblings, hungry, dirty, um, and with marks of abuse all over her body. Her mom had hepatitis C and was a huge drug user, was completely removed as a parent to these kids. Um, in fact, after the kids got pulled, she had two other children that were removed immediately from the hospital because they were born drug abused or drug addicted. Um, over the years, Cindy never moved back home. She never moved back in with any biological family or parents. And I watched her move in and out of multiple foster homes, the children's shelter, and group homes. Um, in many ways, it was a very, very hard life for a young girl. One of the foster homes, and not all of them are this way, but it didn't have enough food for the kids. In fact, the woman locked up her own food um, and only gave them certain food. The group home that she lived in was very sterile, and just she seemed really sad and alone while living there. Um, she got pregnant at 14 and really struggled in high school. Um, she eventually got her GED, but it was a hard, hard time for her. And I met with her every single week for about eight years. Um, I often felt like I wasn't doing anything except taking her out to dinner or hanging out with her. She was tough to reach and tough to really figure out what was going on in her, her life. But I just knew for some reason deep down that I needed to stay in her life. I knew that she needed me to be there because nothing else in her life was a constant. Everything changed. Her home, her therapist, her social worker, everything changed all the time. She's now 25 and has two children. We still have her and her children over for dinner about every month or so, and her kids call um, us auntie and uncle. About a month ago, she just called me, she texted me actually, but desperate, saying that um, she had gotten into a bit of trouble and had nobody else to turn to. Um, as she sat on our couch, she was crying um, and desperate and just really lost. I realized she didn't have anyone to turn to. She had no family, no adults, no one in her life that she could call or trust in. Um, she didn't ever have anyone to show her how to pay bills, how to parent her kids. Um, and even just in this trouble that she was in, she didn't have anyone to come alongside her and say, it's going to be okay. We're going to figure this out. We'll work it out. She had always really been alone. Um, and I saw the great privilege that Joe and I have had to really come alongside her and her kids, um, to pray with her, love on her, and help her to be a constant in her life. It's honestly been one of the biggest privileges of our life. So that's how my heart really um, became huge for kids in foster care. But let's read James 1.27 again. Uh, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. So let's unpack that verse a bit. What does it mean? Well, the word care for or look after is traced all through the Old and New Testament. It's a word that literally means to seek someone out, to visit them, not just to say hello across the street or across church, but to actually care for someone and to provide for them. So care for, look after. I think this is sometimes where our religion needs feet. It needs action. As Philip talked about last week, Jesus' mission on earth was to love and bring glory to God, to connect with others in relationship, and to love and serve others, basically to be on mission. That's what we as a church are focusing on, the three L's. Love, link, launch. Had to get it in there. <laughs> so while it's essential that we come to church and worship together, the love part, read our Bibles and share our lives in community groups, the link part, we're also called to be on mission. And one of the ways I think that we put that into action is to care for, look after, provide for those in distress. 
Why? Because God does that. Jesus was on mission. It's his heart, and we're made in his image. We're image bearers of God. I found an awesome Timothy Keller quote and that describes God's heart so well. It says, when people ask me, how do you want to be introduced? I usually propose, they say, this is Tim Keller, minister of the Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City. Of course, I'm many other things, but this is the main thing I spend my time doing in public life. <clears throat> Realize then how significant it is that the biblical writers introduce God as a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. Psalm 68, 4-5. This is one of the main things he does in the world. He identifies with the powerless and takes up their cause. So if God were to have a business card, his title would be the father to the fatherless, the defender of widows. It's actually mentioned 41 times throughout scripture. That's a lot. Um, here's a small sampling of some of those verses. Deuteronomy 10.18 says, He, God, executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner giving him food and clothing. Psalm 10, 17 to 18 says, you, you, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry, defending the fatherless and the oppressed. So if we're not ordinary people, because we're God's image bearers, that means we're not ordinary, right? Um, then we are called to be, to be a defender of the fatherless and the widow. Um, here are some verses regarding who God has called us to be. Isaiah 1, 17 Learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. Psalm 82, 3-4 says, Give justice to the weak and the fatherless, maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute, rescue the weak and the needy, deliver them from the hand of the wicked. So caring for the women and children in distress is God's heart. And it's his heart for our lives, his call for us. But here's the thing, many of us think that we have to travel to Africa to help the orphan or the widow in distress. And it's true. There are 153 million orphans worldwide. That number is staggering and shocking, and it's imperative that we care for those children as well through child sponsorships, donations, adoptions, mission trips, etc. But there are 400,000 kids in foster care in the U.S. and about 1,400 in our county. But let me clarify. A lot of these kids aren't actually orphans. Um, some of their parents made some bad decisions and the kids got pulled from the home, but those parents are working really hard to get those kids back. Um, they're taking the steps necessary and um, they really want them back. But other parents aren't. They don't visit their kids. They aren't trying to get them back and they basically walked away. Those kids are orphans. But either way, foster kids are definitely children in distress. And they're right here. They're our neighbors. Um, in the foster, class, foster classes that you have to take to get licensed, you hear story after story of children in distress. Um, Philip told me in his class, they told of um, toddlers being so hungry and starving because they weren't fed that they stuck their hands in their diapers to eat their own feces. Of children being so neglected that the oldest four-year-old sibling is left to care for his younger and brother sister for days. Stories of many children witnessing horrendous and ongoing Domestic violence. Children are starving. They are being abused, neglected, and not loved. And it's right in our backyard. It's not just in Africa. It's here. And they're our neighbor. A wonderful friend of mine is a foster mom, and she got into a jam last week um, needing a babysitter for her four-year-old foster daughter. So we had the great opportunity to care for this little girl. 
She was removed from the home due to neglect. Um, I can't go into the story and her details, but if you heard it, you would be crying, trust me. Um, she's the same age as my four and a half year old daughter, but her cognitive and speech skills are that of about a two year old because no one ever talked to her and they never ever corrected her speech. For instance, um, anytime she would see a decoration or something that was pretty, she called it a bow because no one ever said, no, that's not a bow, honey, that's a flower. Um, her, the people that care for her actually usually just opened the front door in the morning, shuffled her out to care for herself all day long. Um, it was just complete and total neglect. While she was with us for the day, she really struggled figuring out who my husband was because she did not understand the concept of a dad at all. She kept asking if he was my dad, questioning who he was. She had never had the love of a father and didn't understand his place in a loving family. She also asked for food all day long <laughs> because she's had multiple periods in her life that she was hungry and starving and didn't get fed. And I wish you guys could see her because as I took those classes and stuff, you can kind of get nervous of the kids in, in foster care and the stories they've been through and the, the ways they act out. But her smile and her um, just beautiful eyes and the way that she just needed love and attention and care um, just broke my heart. And it just really made me more passionate about fostering and the need. But listen, so this girl we babysat for and Cindy, the girl I was a CASA for, and that thousands of other foster youth are children of God. Jesus died for them. They are precious and are made in his image. Do you remember that Jesus loved the children? He said he called them to him and called us to do the same. So I know some people hear these stories and think, that is horrible and what an epidemic and I can't believe those kids walk through that. But they believe that the county should deal with it because that's why we pay taxes. But Jesus didn't say pay taxes to Caesar so that he can care for the orphan and widow. He called us to care for the orphan and widow. We are to love our neighbors, and these kids are our neighbors. And I know, I know it's daunting and can, can be completely overwhelming. Trust me, I deal with that every day, especially going through this process of licensing and getting ready. I have a million worries and fears. Like, how is it going to affect my kids? I, what if I can't do it? What if I'm not equipped for it? I'm not a therapist. I don't know how to deal with kids and trauma. Or what if I fall in love with that child and then they go back to their parents? There are a ton of risks and what ifs, but here's the deal. I'm adopted, you're adopted. We're adopted by God. 1 John 3, 1 says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God and so we are. Romans 8, 15 to 16 says, you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. We're hopeless without God's intervention. The wonder of the gospel is that God looked upon us in our profound plight of hopelessness and sent his beloved, beautiful son. He adopted us and welcomed us into his family. He cared for us. So I don't want to be crippled by my fears of the what ifs. I want to take risks and live out my faith because it always makes you cry even every time I practice it, but because God has adopted me as his beloved daughter, because he has done so much for me and extended so much mercy and grace for me when I did not deserve it. 
So how can I not share that with these children and care for them and look after them and provide for them in some way? Um, I think this is where the second part of James 1.27 comes into play. It says to refuse to let the world corrupt us. So how does the world corrupt us? I think by getting us to believe in the lie that it's all about us, that the universe revolves around us. Me, me, me. Sorry, hold on. <clears throat> oh, so how do we care for the orphan and the widow and not let the world corrupt us? Are those two different things? Should we consider them separately? I don't think so. I think we do it by focusing not just on ourselves, but outside of ourselves. By living life as Jesus did, with compassion, caring for others, and purity, not letting the world corrupt him. I read a great book um, called Orphanology that really helped to ignite even more my passion for orphans, and it really showed me that we as a church body are really equipped um, to help, help and care for the orphan and widow. Here it is. The Church of Jesus Christ is the most powerful force in the world. It has the power of the Holy Spirit, the best news in the world, the gospel, financial wealth, a multitude of troops, and access to amazing technology. Indeed, the church can turn the world upside down by acts of mercy and the proclamation of good news. Orphan care is part of this redemptive mission. The question is, will we settle for a safe, comfortable religion, or will we, will we use these resources for the good of the world and the glory of Christ? We love because he first loved us. At this time, I have the extreme privilege of inviting Suzanne Steele up. Um, she was one of the facilitators at our foster classes, and she works for the Santa Clara County Foster and Adoptive Parent Association. So every time she spoke, right over there, <laughs> every time she spoke during classes, I was completely captivated because she has a true heart for foster care, as she's been a foster mom for years and years, but she's also really funny and an excellent, <laughs> sorry to set you up. <laughs> An excellent, excellent public speaker. Um, so <laughs> after Susan um, shares the needs of the foster care community and um, be part of being a foster parent with us, I'm going to come back up and also give ways that we as a church body can, regardless of your place in life, your age, who you are, of ways that we can all get involved in coming alongside the foster kids. Thank you so much, Susan, for coming to share with us today. She came on her day off to come and share and to, um, share her heart, and I'm sure y'all found she was very funny, right? <laughs> and very captivating. Um, so one more time, James 127 says that we're to care for orphans and widows in their distress, but how? I mentioned at the beginning we're going to continue at House of Grace caring for women, but we're also going to be adding a focus on foster care. And I know that adopting and fostering may not be for everyone. We hope that it is for some. Um, and many people, oh, sorry, I messed that one up. Let me try again. Stop. So I know that adoption and fostering may not be for everyone, but caring for orphans is for everyone. Um, many people think that you can't foster because you're not equipped or you don't have it all together. But um, 
I think that we all can participate in foster care and can help come alongside either foster kids or foster families. Um, so today over the year, we hope to um, help show you ways that a few can help, ways that many people can help, and ways that all of you can help. Um, one of the ways that few can help is that my hope and dream is that by this time next year, one or two or maybe more families in our church um, will be either fostering or welcoming and um, getting ready to welcome a child into their home. Um, I believe that our church just has an awesome, amazing, family-oriented, really supportive environment to come alongside foster families and foster kids. So that's my hope um, that a few can do. So how can many of you help? Well, we're planning about three or four events this year um, to help come alongside kids in foster care. We're still finalizing the details, but these events are either going to um, be about coming alongside the county and kids in for current foster care, um, or coming alongside those that are emancipating or transitioning foster youth, those that are aging out of the system. And how can you all help? Um, well, often when children get removed from their home, they have a garbage bag full of maybe a couple mismatched clothes, one shoe, no toys. Um, that's what they go to their foster home with. So the first thing that we're going to do is help the county by making warm handoff bags. It's basically a cute duffel or backpack filled with toothbrush, toothpaste, hairbrush, cute pajamas, and maybe a stuffed animal or small toy. We'll be collecting these every Sunday in the back, and we're going to have a basket that's going to say foster care, um, and hope that everyone continues every week to come in and, and just drop off stuff, or if you want to give a check, I'll go buy it too. Um, but we really want to help come alongside kids in foster care this way. And everyone can do that. Anyone can go while they're at Target to pick up a toothbrush or a hairbrush. So I really hope that all of us will um, participate in that way. Um, also, each month, I'm going to be posting on Facebook or through the blog different ways and organizations that we can help come alongside foster care. Um, our hope is that maybe the community groups will kind of take a walk, take I, sorry, now I'm messing up. And um, we'll watch those ideas and maybe take one to heart and say, that's for us. And their community group will take that idea and run with it. Um, so I'm really, really excited about this year. I'm really excited about the impact that we as a church body can make. Um, because honestly, what happens to these foster kids who age out of the system is horrifying. Um, in a 2012 study of the 23,396 foster youth in the U.S. who aged out of the system, meaning it's now to 21, so they turned 21 out on their own, no longer have um, any benefits. Here's the stats on them. Nearly 40% were homeless. 40 to 50% will never finish high school. 60% of the young men had been convicted of a crime, and the majority of the people, or not the majority, but it's high, um, of people in prison are former foster youth. 50% um, of all youth who aged out were involved in substance abuse, and 17% of the, women, the girls that were pregnant. So can I just remind, um, end up by reminding us that Jesus took people like us, messed up, lost, sinful, alone, and he adopted us. He made us his own. This is what God has done for us. How can we not put on display the great redeeming nature of our Lord by helping these children? Thanks so much for listening to me today. Um, I messed up more than I thought I would, but um, I'd be more than happy to chat with any of you um, today or any time throughout the year if you have any questions. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you that you are the father of the fatherless and the defender of the widow. 
God, thank you for um, making us image bearers and giving us your heart. God, I just pray that um, you would just work in our hearts in whatever way you see fit, and that, God, we would um, just be impactful for you, God, that we would bring glory to you and um, just really be about you, Lord. Um, we just thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy. Amen.